This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hi, this is Joyce Teo. Welcome to Health Check. Today, we bring you an exclusive interview with Ben, a 55-year-old who was diagnosed with COVID-19 on March 5th. That day, he had sought help at Alexandra Hospital in the late morning. By 6pm, his condition had deteriorated so quickly that it was clear he needed life support. Ben went on to spend 13 days in ICU and was discharged on March 21st. It's known that patients with underlying illnesses have worse outcomes in severe COVID-19 infection and Ben has diabetes and high blood pressure. But he managed to fight off the disease with the help of the doctors and nurses at the hospital and he's here to tell us his story. Hi Ben, thank you very much for coming on Health Check to share your experience. Can you tell us more about your early symptoms and why it took a while for you to be diagnosed? Hi Joyce. Um, basically, uh, what happened was uh, I thought I had fever when I saw my temperature check was 37.2. So I went to see the clinic doctor uh, near my house and the doctor actually said that um, I didn't have fever but for safety purpose, so she actually gave me a couple of days of MC. But then after a couple of days, I found that my temperature actually went up. So I went back to the same clinic and the doctor said that I have um, a slight fever, but to monitor further because I didn't have any other symptom. Uh, but if the temperature continued to go up, then uh, I was recommended to go to the hospital. So a couple of days later, the temperature just didn't go down. So I decided to go to the nearby hospital, which was AH. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, they sort of checked my blood pressure and temperature. And uh, at that time, I think it was okay. So uh, they gave me a few more days of MC uh, just to monitor. But then uh, it didn't get better. So I decided to go back to the same hospital where they did further check on me and then um, later on that second visit, uh, they told me that I was diagnosed with uh, COVID-19. I see. What, well, how is your temperature like? The first um, time you said it was 37.2, right? Yeah, after that. Yeah, after that, it sort of uh, went up to 37.5 and then went up to 38. I understand that uh, when I visited the hospital the second time round, my temperature was above 38 already. So um, the doctor actually said that uh, the doctor actually uh, gave me um, extra oxygen because the doctor said that my oxygen level was quite low and then Mm -hmm. they put me through some tests and later Mm -hmm. on the same day that's where they came back and told me that um, I had COVID-19 and then uh, my lungs were not doing very well and they had to transfer me to ICU uh, for immediate action. I see. Did you have any other symptoms besides the slight fever? Um, to me, I didn't have cough, flu uh, or any other symptom. Um, the doctor did say that from... Um, from my check, they felt that I have uh, some breathlessness, and I 
believe so. Because I thought that what when they say I was out of breath, it was like I was really panting, but I was not. Mm-hmm. So there was this perhaps this misunderstanding. But from uh, the test they checked on me, they said that I did mm-hmm. have some breathlessness uh, on that day as well. I see. That's interesting. So how did you, you know, suspect that you, you might have COVID-19? And you mentioned you, you, you checked your temperature at 37.2, right? What did you go and check your temperature? Um, I actually um, do uh, my daily temperature check twice a day. But it's just wow. that uh, it was always below 37. So when it went up to 37.2, I thought I had mm-hmm. fever. So I better go and check. But because I only had fever, uh, COVID-19 didn't cross my mind. Even when I went to the hospital the second time round, mm. uh, because I didn't have any other symptoms, so I actually told myself, I don't think it, it would be COVID-19. It could probably be some viruses or, you know, not sure whether it's uh, a dengue or anything that I had. But I didn't have any pain in the body. So I just mm. told myself to be optimistic, you know, it could be just some fever that just refused to subside. Uh, but I told myself mm. to do the due diligence to go and check, uh, to go to the hospital for a second check. Mm, so you right, so you didn't feel uncomfortable at all? Uh, Even no, when you were being built to ICU? ICU yeah, not at all. If you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Health Check on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or even on Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. Now back to our conversation with Ben, who found out he had COVID-19 earlier this month and actually spent 13 days in ICU fighting the disease. So what happened after that in ICU? Did they um, sedate you quite quickly yeah, after? So, um, what happened was they sedated me and they intubated me. So uh, I understand um, on the 5th of March uh, at night, um, they already sedated and intubated me. And it was only on the 12th uh, that the doctor took the breathing tube out from me. So it was like a span of eight days where I was intubated. Uh, but I also understand that um, during that period, um, Probably the later part of the eight days, I started to open my eyes and then mm-hmm. um, I could react to what the doctor and the nurses asked of me. And I also understand that that's where they started to lessen the amount of medication they uh, sedated me with. And then mm-hmm. when I sort of got better, the doctor made the decision to take the tube out from me. And even after they mm-hmm. took the tube out from me, uh, because mm-hmm. my vocal cords was affected and I was still very weak, uh, so they kept me in ICU to monitor for a couple more days. Oh, so how many days did you spend in ICU in total? Uh, um, I went in on the 5th of March. Um, then mm-hmm. I got uh, transferred out to the isolation ward on the 17th of March. So oh, it's okay. more like a period of 12 days, I think. How would you describe your uh, experience? Did you, you know, was there any pain, discomfort? How did uh, it like? Okay, that period where I was sedated and intubated, um, honestly, 
I felt that uh, it was a nightmare uh, because mm-hmm. I had I had uh, I see different scene in front of me and scene that I cannot explain and I couldn't get out of those scenes and it was mm-hmm. like I was trapped in them and it was very torturing uh, so I had that for quite a while and you know all I was begging to myself was uh, you know I please get me out of it but uh, I just felt myself trapped until when I started to open my eyes and then I saw the doctor and the nurses but I understand that I was still sedated because I could remember seeing them but I couldn't respond to them when they asked me questions but um, so mm-hmm. what happened I, I remember was they asked me over and over and over again and then finally um, I could respond like blinking my eyes and then slowly lifting up my hand and also slowly pointing out to them where the discomfort was. So I knew, I, I could remember that, but that took a while because I remember uh, they asked me so many times, uh, but you know they kept on asking to make sure that I could respond. And mm-hmm. I'm glad they did that because uh, it was because um, the improvement that they, they could see in me that's why they finally decided I was uh, good enough to have my breathing tube taken out. I see that was on the 12th, right? That was on the 12th, yeah. But uh, I think I started to uh, open my eyes only around the 10 uh, or the 9 itself. So I also mm-hmm. understand that... Um, there was um, because the doctor updated my family uh, on my status so and I understand that I was in critical condition but stable and then mm-hmm. um, every day uh, they would update my family on the on my status and I also understand that uh, a couple of days after I was sedated and intubated uh, they said that I was slowly recovering uh, it was mm. it was slow, but I was already showing sign of recovery. And then on the twelfth, they took out the tube. I see. So when they took out the tube, and you know you were more aware of your surroundings, uh, how was your interaction with the uh, healthcare workers uh, like? Were you mostly yeah, alone? So, uh, because for ICU patient, uh, there's only myself in the room. So, mm-hmm. and I could only lie on the bed. So, uh, mm-hmm. when uh, the tip was taken out, uh, I couldn't remember much on the day itself. But the couple of, but the next couple of days after the tip was taken out, um, uh, I had interaction with the uh, nurses, the healthcare workers who would come in to take care of me. Uh, but mm-hmm. I have to say that uh, I'm, I'm so touched uh, by mm-hmm. these uh, nurses because they really took very good care of me. Um, mm-hmm. There were times where I saw it myself because I couldn't get out of the bed. And no matter mm-hmm. how many times I press the call button, you know, they would always mm-hmm. come in, they would clean me mm-hmm. up, they would ask me what mm-hmm. I need. And, you know, you, you never see a, um, um, any sour face or any um, frustration or impatience from these nurses. Mm-hmm. 
they are always very willing to come in and make sure that mm-hmm. I'm, in, I'm okay. And there are also times where um, where I know that uh, I could I could sense that somebody was watching in from the door. And then when I turn mm-hmm. around, I could see the nurses smiling at me and waving at me, mm-hmm. you know. So they are always mm-hmm. there to encourage me. So I, I was really, really touched that few days uh, when I was still in ICU. These nurses mm-hmm. really put in a lot of effort to take care of me. Um, it's not just like it is part of their job. Um, to mm-hmm. me, you could see the, the the sincerity in them because when I was getting better, you could see that joy in them. You know, they were so happy mm. and they and, and they encouraged me to continue to get better. I, I was really touched because um, you know when when I was when when I had to rely on them to clean me mm-hmm. and to sponge me. Mm-hmm. You felt that they really go all the way up to clean me. Yeah, it's not that just casually clean you and just, but they really put in an, a lot of effort and you could tell because they even put moisturizer mm-hmm. so you felt that mm-hmm. it is not easy it's, it's not an easy mm-hmm. job I have to say because when they clean me up I realized that um, maybe I don't even do such thing you know for my parents but they mm-hmm. actually went all the way up to do this for them. Right, right. so yeah I need to do a lot more you see the a lot more than they are, what their duty calls. Yeah, it was not, they are not just nurses, they, they treat me like, not just a patient, but like, more like a friend. Thanks for sharing your experience. Is there anything else you want to say? Yeah, I just want to say that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. the experience in uh, ICU, when I, when I was first admitted, I was worried because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ICU uh, is, is a very scary term. But then I realized mm-hmm. that um, the care from the doctor and the nurses um, helped me to recover. So I'm a living proof that ICU is not a scary place. It's not a death sentence. But honestly, I can't, nobody can guarantee you that. But it's just that um, for, for me, uh, they have done a good job uh, and I'm very grateful to them because without them, I wouldn't have given this second chance. I just... I just I'm just grateful to be alive again. Well, that's a wrap for Health Check. We're grateful to Ben for sharing his experience and grateful to all the healthcare workers on the front line. Thanks for listening. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.